Oh. Well, hey guys, welcome to Phantom Nonsense. I'm Zach. I'm Goose. And I'm also Nolan. <laughs> hey guys, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic, man. Good. So <laughs> we are discussing the. Uh... We're we're going to discuss the man the Mandalorian. Um, it's going to be the main main thing. Um, but first, uh, Nolan's going to have to uh, cough cough himself yep. to death real quick. Yep. 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 Um, but there's a few things I wanted to uh, to talk about since it's been a while since we've we've done. Um, uh, okay, here we go. Apparently, ABC is in early talks with a uh, with a Mr. Kevin Feige for a broadcast Marvel superhero show. Okay. Um, this is reporting from uh, from Collider. This is from four days ago. Uh, Marvel's, Marvel television is mostly dead, shuttered and absorbed into larger Marvel studio operation run by Feige as, as one day all of souls, our souls will be. <laughs> but the idea of Marvel TV apparently still lingers on. Today, uh, speaking today at the Television Critics Association press tour, ABC president uh, Kerry Burke noted that the network is having the very beginnings of conversations, quote, with Feige to bring back a Marvel superhero show to, te to broadcast television. We're, we love our partners at Marvel, and we're sad to see Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. go. It's been a big part of our history. I mean, that's fair. I mean, what else do people watch ABC for? <laughs> we're looking forward to working with Kevin Feige at the very beginning of conversation with, with him now, what ABC, Marvel and ABC show might look like. Right now, Marvel's focus has been on Disney+, Plus as it should mm -hmm. be. So blah, 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 blah. doesn't really, obviously doesn't have any information about what it would be. Contents of the show. I... Do you, uh, what would you like to see? Um, I would like to see, I would love to see another season of Agent Carter. Hmm. Um. Yeah, you've been pushing that hard. I need to check that out. You really need to check that out. That is a great show. That might be my favorite Marvel content wow. out of the whole, whole thing. Well, damn. Um, things like that. Um, S.H.I.E.L.D., I don't know, like. Since they have Disney Plus and they have that for, like, big budget, one-off kind of kind of things. Yeah. Um, I think it. I guess if they're gonna do like a TV show, like a network TV show, make it something that's more general and accessible. Like, there's only if you if you know Marvel and especially if you know like. Howard and everything, then there's there's some reward in in uh, Agent Carter, but it's really just like a forty spy thriller. Like it's really yeah. the Marvel connection is just is not really that that strong. So you lean into that more with Disney Plus, where people are directly going to watch that kind of thing. But on TV, make it more accessible. Make it more. It just happens to be in that world and give little. Little connection. The honestly, to me, the less like pandering direct connection you can make, the better. I think. Right. Okay. I think now that it's all consolidated onto the uh, Plus app, it's a lot easier for it all to become homogenous and boring. If if they were to go into that like direction, so yeah, I think pushing like the 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 separation is a good move. Right. But uh, on the other end of that, if they were going to do something more down the middle, like a superhero content. Like like we're used to, I would like to see. Did you ever see uh, Batman: Brave and the Bold? It was an animated series. Oh, uh, I've yes. seen I've seen a couple episodes of that. I haven't seen uh, the whole thing. Yeah, I'd like to see like a live action uh, kind of take on that that formula, where we just sort of focus on a uh, like a lesser known hero, maybe from like a like the Silver Age of Marvel stuff, mm -hmm. and just like. You know, like build up the the universe a little bit. Uh, I think there's a chance they they would feel like they couldn't do that because they might step on their toes as far as like future uh, properties and like right. trying to make movies and TV shows out of them. But if we had like a series where we could like one week see a contained story about like Moon Knight or or somebody like that or fucking Blade or oh. you know mm -hmm. like oh and then just a general Marvel anthology type of show yeah not yeah. just okay I got you not not in the sense that like Brave and the Bold always features like Batman and right. another uh, character I'm saying like go for the they they do have episodes where they focus on like. Aquaman will be the main character in the in the episode. Yeah. Batman won't even really show up. He'll he'll just be like a plot point in it. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to see see um, 
like you could maybe have it be like uh, Ultimate Alliance, like mm -hmm. based around that kind of uh, like there's some sort of overarching uh, world threat, and maybe you could see like a bunch of different uh, responses to that from different Marvel characters. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of room in there for for something pretty good. I'd like to see something episodic like that. Um, and I think this would be more of a plus. It definitely would be more of a plus thing than an than an ABC thing. But um, I would. I think that the X Men would suit better on TV oh, than they would on yeah. than they would on film. Yeah, most definitely. Absolutely. There's just so much. There's so much there. There's so much content. So many characters. So many different storylines. Right. So many. Uh, so many like ties to other Marvel properties. Right. That's what I'm. That's what I'm worried about with with that is them taking the the easy way and leaning into to Wolverine and like at the most like focusing on Wolverine, Scott and Jean's triangle and um and and the professor and Magneto and their rivalry friendship. But there's so many characters in that in that roster. You know, it itself could rival the rival the Avengers, in fact, has many times, and mm -hmm. hopefully we get to that at some point. But I don't think that, um, you know, things scale and move, move faster as they go along. I don't think we have the time to introduce every X-Men in a movie right. the same way that we have all of the, all of the Avengers. Yeah. yeah. And there's so many of them. There's been so many varied runs of it that right. it's hard to even know who would be in your main cast of, yeah. yeah. Because like the Avengers does have a bit of a like a rotation in the lineup, but not in the way that X Men does, and doesn't have the breadth of it. So yeah, it'd be a lot harder to to individually introduce in these giant, high production films each of these characters. And also, some of them don't really lend themselves well to that, even though they are really great characters. Mm -hmm. Like like Jubilee, that would kind of probably be hard to make a movie about her. I mean, if you did, it would be awesome, but. I can't see that having as mainstream of an audience as a, you know, like a standalone Iron Man movie. Right. Uh, speaking of standalone Marvel Marvel movies, so Disney and Sony reached a, reached a deal on on Spider Man. Um, Sony put on the table. I think it was ten billion. They would sell Spider Man for, um, and I think Disney tried to bring him down to five, and they wouldn't do it. Uh, which it's definitely worth that. It's which mm -hmm. they paid four for Marvel, twelve for Lucasfilm, and seventy one for for all of Fox. Mm. But Spider Man alone is easily worth two Marvels, like two like what they bought with Marvel Studios. Yeah. yeah. But the interesting thing is because I was always like a little bit confused about what the mechanics of the deal were and everything like that was never really that that yeah. clear clear to me but so like with homecoming and far from home disney had a hundred percent of the of the merch on that and five percent of the first day door and paid no one no investment in that sony paid all the money for those and disney made five percent of the profits plus the merch the new deal, Disney puts up 25% of Sony's movies and makes 25%. So they're both putting in what making what they put in and I think there's a there's a merch split, but the interesting thing is now Disney gets to make a standalone Spider-Man movie. Oh. Oh. Mhm. Mm hmm. That's the Spider-Man movie that's coming out in 2021. Okay. It's not I mean, I think it's it's going to be a follow-up to uh, far from home, it's going to be in that same line, but it's not going to be Sony. It's going to be Disney. Okay, but it, it's still Tom it's Holland. It's still, still Tom Holland. Okay, same. yeah, we still okay. have Tom Holland. And it's still going to be like in Tom Holland's full. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, but I mean, I've definitely had my critiques of of Sony, and I will definitely say that if nothing else, just being in the periphery and having to work with those characters that Marvel established made those movies a lot better. But I do really love Homecoming and Far From Home. I do yeah. love those movies a lot. So it'd be interesting to see what if there's any like noticeable variation or if they just keep it to the to the script. 
And one more thing, uh, since we're just talking talking Marvel today, um, I don't know if this is true or rumors, but word is going around that actually I think it I think it is true um, that Marvel has the uh, the Hulk rights back. Oh. Oh, shit. I did see that as well. Yeah. Okay. I think it's been long enough. Yeah, I think that's. I think you're right, Goose. Hmm. I, you know, I don't know if a yeah, Hulk it, movie would stand on its own, but I would love to see like a Hulk versus movie. You yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like Hulk comes off his hinges and becomes, you know, another, like a fucking. No. Maybe. If they were going to make a Hulk movie now would be the time to do it right after all the Avengers hype is still, like, hasn't fully died down yet. I mean, the, the Hulk is up there with Spider-Man and Wolverine as one of Marvel's, like, yeah. biggest draws. Um, I think, and I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's worth a movie. It depends on how you do it and who, who directed it. But I think there is a psychological thriller in between, in the gap between the end of Infinity War or the end, beginning of Endgame and the time skip. Oh, yeah. When he becomes Professor Hulk and everything. I think that would be, Yeah. I would love like really, that. I really, really psychological, that. like in his head, him, him and the Hulk, like talking to each other and everything. And right. but it would have to be done just right. Yeah, because if you do it, that's why I'm glad it wasn't in the movie. Because like, there's a way to do that where it's just like a five minute, just like scene of him in a lab, and it's super fucking boring, and there's right. nothing there. Yeah. But I, I do think that that could be, that could be fun, and you could just have a classic Hulk smashing um, movie, but. It would be, I would love to see on that like psychological path, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a Hulk movie almost shot like a horror film. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Banner is the main character, doesn't know he's the Hulk yet. And so he just keeps getting into these situations. Like he thinks the Hulk is something that's like chasing him and it's like causing destruction around mm-hmm. him. But it it hap- like like uh, like a Wolfman type story. Yeah, the, I was actually thinking of that weird Jekyll and Hyde. I mean that's yeah. that's the basis right. of the Hulk, yeah. basically. Of course. Um, the first the well, first Jekyll knew it though. Right. The first two are are supposed to be somewhat contiguous, right? Like the the original Hulk and the Incredible Hulk. Are they supposed to be? They, I've never seen the Incredible Hulk. Does it have its own origin in it? With with Ed Norton. Or, I think so. Yeah, it's with been Norton, so yeah. long. Uh, I think they're two completely separate things. It's it's unclear because he's already been the Hulk for a while at the beginning of that's Incredible what I, Hulk. That's 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 what I thought. That it was un, unclear to make sure. It's like if you want to believe that it's right. the sequel, you can. Yeah. But you don't. They're not necessarily tying itself to that. Yeah. I think they should just just completely remake those with Mark Ruffalo and just and just redeem redeem the Hulk yeah. like I liked Banna never liked Norton um, yeah Norton was a weird choice he seems like I you it just in my mind I can't picture him as the Hulk like he can right. play a compelling banner just because he's a good actor but he can't like can't what um you know I can't picture him as the Hulk. Like, Mark Ruffalo, his, like, features and his demeanor lend themselves to, like, you can see right. that there could potentially be a beast under under yeah. all of that, you know, professorism. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I can't, I can't cotton to, to Edward Norton being... Oh, could you imagine? Could you fucking... Um... Could you fucking imagine Edward Norton through all through all of this? <laughs> like <laughs> he'd have been so out of place. Mark Ruffalo is like one of the most like charming, like sweet people in at least in Hollywood, and like he's a per- he's a perfect Bruce Banner, yeah, absolutely perfect for sure. And like any any time that it's and I like Tony, but any time that it's like it's Tony and. Um, and Bruce, I'm always glad that Bruce is there as some kind of kind of levity for Tony's seriousness or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I could not I could not imagine Edward Norton filling that same role that no. that he fills in the in the Avengers. It's yeah, Mark Ruffalo. He, he kind of has this uh, 
this very lack of pretension that you just don't see in in Edward Norton's performances. Yeah, like when he plays. The only the only thing I can think of him playing an unassuming character was him in fucking Primal Fear, and that ended up being him like doing a narcissist or a uh, like a sociopathic like pretension throughout the entire movie until he revealed that he was in fact a, a psychopath. Yeah, I can't uh, I can't picture Norton in that role. I think Norton was uh, that movie was the first time I was introduced to Hulk. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. So I was put off by it yeah. for a little bit. And then uh, I stumbled upon the comics and got back into the character. There was a kick-ass video game in uh, the uh, GameCube, Xbox, PS2 era uh, called uh, Hulk Unleashed. Mm-hmm. And oh. uh, it was like an open-world Hulk game. Yep. And it was fucking fantastic. And that's what really got me into the Hulk, I think. Because I had read one of his the graphic novels, the one with, like, he's... Uh, it's the... The story between like him and the, the the contact he had with the guy who eventually becomes Red Hulk, but I can't I can't even remember the title of that. But yeah, yeah, the that that era. I think that was right after the uh, Banna Hulk movie. I think it was like kind of a tie-in, but I I don't think they actually hit on the 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 plot of, of that movie. Right. I don't know when I first heard about the heard about the Hulk. Um. First thing I can remember is, like, the the really old, like, two-frame-a-second cartoon things. Oh, where he, like, walks around with his fists up constantly? Yeah, like, I, I can remember the, the Hulk or, origin. We may have, we have to find that and uh, couch lock that sometime, actually. Mm. Um, oh, we should do the uh, Captain America uh, oh, cartoon. Yeah. The old yeah. One. Oh, my God. Um... Do you guys want a break before Mandalorian, or you guys want to just keep on rolling through? Okay, uh, let me just put out a timestamp so I can put this in the description. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so, so Goose, yes. tell us about the Mandalorian. Oh boy, why did you do that? <laughs> uh, no, you... first, first uh, live action Marvel. TV show, whatever you want to call it. We'll call it that for simplicity's sake. Um, five or eight years, something like that, after Return of the Return of the Jedi. Got a little bit of force in it, but no, no overt Jedi things. Yeah, no even real mention of Jedi. No, no, no characters are non- knowledgeable about the Jedi. Right. Other than ones that would want to keep that information secret. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it's nice. It's like a, it's good to have a deviation. It's yeah. good to have something worthwhile to watch that's like not in this through line of the conflicts we've been seeing in the films, because we don't need to constantly revisit that in right. in the the parallel storylines. <laughs> um. I had something until he made that face and it scared me, <laughs> and I forgot. No, I've I've really really enjoyed the um, the the slow slow build of um, of like character progression, but also just like I feel just like at the at the end of the season, you finally get like okay, this is the this is the team and this yeah. is this is the adventure and everything yeah. you know like it's all all kind of like building up and getting you to to trust everybody and understand who they are and everything and it's like it's almost a long it's a long pilot and it's nice yeah um it's nice to have something weekly again mm. you know that is nice mm-hmm. this is this filled the gap i think that uh game of thrones had uh, yeah, where it had this this really specific niche of people who were super into it, and uh, they brought in a larger audience, mm-hmm. and it became like an event, a weekly event. Yeah, so, like you mm-hmm. get together with your friends to watch the new Mando, and and you post memes about it on Facebook. Right. right. But also, the memes never like gave away the episode. You right. just saw like one little scene. Right, and it was always yiddles. I mean, yeah, like... yeah, one hundred percent. 
uh, stand standout characters. <laughs> Obviously, Yiddle, but right. yeah, I guess without saying, I guess right. at this point. Um, what is her real name? The lady who plays Mimi on Unbreakable. Oh, she uh, was the um, pilot uh, that fixed up his ship. Yeah, Amy Sedaris. Yeah, Amy Sedaris. Her character, oh. whenever she was babysitting with the droids. Yeah, that was a really good performance. Yeah. There's a lot of like small, really good performances in this, and they they also bury the the lead with some of these characters mm -hmm. to where you assume they're just done because the series has a way of. Uh, Introducing these compelling characters and then just having them have their place in in these episodes and then just letting them go So it feels it feels episodic like up until the the like double finale It feels like we're just gonna have this con like yeah, like arcing continuous We like, just always really, exploring yeah. just getting really nice side characters right. who like end in their episodes. like you know like Star Trek ish which is you know probably sacrilege for some people to hear me say that but you know go fuck yourself they're, they're two different things that have the word star in them and um, and it um it's got a great setup for that too like the 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 premise and the conceit of the show is perfect for for an episodic yeah. Each each week is a different like he's on he's on the run he's a he's a bounty hunter so he's always got to go like that's his job yeah but he's also like on the run from from the empire and other bounty hunters and trying to find trying to find Yiddle's family um, and, and so it it sets itself up for for that where it's not just like it doesn't have to justify itself every week for why he's riding off into the sunset. Right. That's yes. what he does. Yeah, it's it's a setting and a character uh, so rife with conflict that it's really easy to find a reason to have a plot. It, it just in anywhere he ends right. up. Right. Yeah. And you can just come at it from so many different angles, and we've already seen it done so. We, you know, I, I, there was a point where I was worried about it becoming formulaic because of this, but then. As the the finale approaches, it it you know it catfishes you into thinking it's this episodic thing that we won't ever get resolution for, right? And then it reintroduces characters that we fell in love with <laughs> when we first saw them, yeah. But we didn't make those attachments because it, the show kind of teaches you not to, and so when they return, you get the surprise and enjoyment of of that like cameo sort of feel, you know. I feel like it was the perfect length, especially just for that, because you got like six episodes of that episodic stuff, and then you got your double finale. Yeah, right. it's just enough to feel like you're in a pattern, even though you end up not being. Uh, and, uh, Pele Mo Motto is Sedaris's character. Okay. Yeah, that was that was a really good. She's she's great. She, like, there's just enough dash of uh, comedy mm -hmm. in all of these performances, and it it all comes from. Uh, you know, like the kind of cutesy Disney esque yeah. humor, but it's it never is too much to lose the the bite and the the message of some mm -hmm. of the darker uh, portions of the series. Uh, for me, a standout character has to be uh, IG Eleven because I, oh, yeah. I was I was charmed by him even in the first uh, yeah even in the first appearance of him just because you know Taika Waititi's voice it just lends itself really well mm -hmm. to to droids and uh non-human characters for some reason uh, uh you know it's also cool seeing a new zealander robot <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah assassin droids are just fascinating in general i like how they tackled the um psychological aspect of rewiring him yeah, yeah. In the and they also kind of made it that a parallel to how uh, the child's going to be raised. Because he even made a uh, reference to the child's always around violence, so like that's why he force choked yeah. that one lady. Oh, well, he was just trying to protect, to protect Mando. Mando. Yeah, because that's how he had learned to, to interact with, with Mando. My interpretation of, of that, of the, of the force choke, is... He's just strong with the force. Yeah. And just and just like just like a kid, like, you know, when a kid throws something or whatever and behaves violently, like I'm talking like a three year old here, yeah. they can't be blamed for that. You yeah. know, they don't they don't know. They're just it's completely acting on on impulse. So yeah. to me that's what, what that is. It's just 
he just did the thing that he knows to do instinctively when he thinks someone that he, you know, his protector is in danger. And he's not making, it's not a dark side or light side thing. He doesn't, I think that that requires a certain level of, um, of conscious awareness and like freedom of choice yeah. Yeah. to be able to make, have an alignment like, like that. Right. You have to be like in the age of reason. Before. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's it's interesting that Werner Herzog is in this series because yeah. he talks a lot about the nature versus nurture thing in uh, a lot of his films and stuff. Kind of the, the nature of, of uh, humanity and how it's affected by by circumstance and that we are ha all have like animal instincts mm -hmm. and things like that. You can get him on a tear about how fucking nature is trying to destroy humanity at right. all times. <laughs> in pretty much every film, even when it doesn't seem relevant. But you know what? Whatever. Oh man, his performance is great in this too. Yeah, he, I really, I really love his his character. Um, there's a darkly ominous vibe yeah. about him and everything. Yeah. Who does he play? He's he's the uh, he's the imperial who oh, talks like that this. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. He is space German, and it's very unclear. <laughs> yeah. how he got this accent. <laughs> um, I would probably say uh, it's either. It's either Kara or or Quill. It's probably Quill. Mm. <sighs> Pour one out if you're listening at home. Yeah, right. <sighs> when we were watching it, mm -hmm. Theodore, he had already watched it before me. I kept watching his face every time Quill came on the screen, <coughs> and I knew before, like. Well, when he first happened. showed up, he goes, "Oh," because <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> 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 Damn it! <laughs> yeah, no, I tried to tried to back Play it off, off but, but no. it did not work out. Yeah. Anytime he remotely went off screen, I was like, "This is the moment, isn't it?" I have spoken. No, he was he was great, and I I think it doesn't take long for the Mandalorian to have you know at least enough of a conscience to not give a child over to the Empire. Um, but I feel like he serves as, like, like a Jiminy Cricket kind of character. Like, you, it's a it's a bounty hunter, and he's a Mandalorian. We're conditioned to think that they're, you know, whatever, soulless, harsh, whatever. And so having him around, I feel like kind of softened him for the audience a little bit, made him a little bit more palatable and accessible. Yeah. Yeah. They're, especially their... Uh, their relationship that they had with, with each other. Yeah. It, at no point does uh, Mando feel like he's acting altruistically until circumstances like force him to be. Right. And there's a kind of uh, vagueness about his character at the beginning. Like we originally get the uh, the flashes of uh, Mando as a child, and like you understand why he. Is is a Mandalorian, mm -hmm. and why he feels like he can be a bounty hunter, and what what uh, motivations he has, just because mm -hmm. we see that he was in this conflict and lost his parents, and he you know has found a home with the Mandalorians, but then they they cap it off really well with the parallels between how he was treated as a child by the Mandalorians and how he treats Yiddles. Yeah, he. They they gave him himself as as he was in the past, right? Which is really stunningly beautiful, mm -hmm. and especially those parallel shots of uh, the Mandalorian saving uh, Mando as a child, yeah. yeah, and then and then Mando flying away with uh, Yiddles at the, at the end. Which, if you notice, their Death Watch. Oh yeah, the the Mandalorian yeah. to save him. Yeah, that could be interesting. That could that be, could be some very interesting play uh, play down the road. Also, right. what the planet was that? Mm -hmm. What planet were they on? I, could you tell? Mm -mm. It was just some desert planet. Yeah. Hmm, could have been anything. Could've yeah, Jakku could have been fucking. Nah, probably not. Though. There wasn't enough trash around. <laughs> I mean, they were in a city. And yeah. 
But Jaka's a junk planet, though, isn't it? I mean, I think it's just a desert planet that had a the last big, big battle of the war. Oh, uh, okay. Well, yeah, there there are there are uh, trash planets, in, which would have uh, been like Star Wars two or three years before, before Mandalorian, I think. Mm-hmm. So it would have Jaka would have already been a trash planet. Probably. Um, well, before the Mandalorian, right? Not whenever. Um, Mando was baby. Yeah, I can't think of his fucking name right now. Uh, Din, Din Djarin. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, and the the reveal at, reveal at the end. I thought it was just gonna be like just a ride off in the sunset. Like, cool, nice. It's like it's open ended. We know there's probably gonna be another season, but I'm not gonna be sitting on the edge of my seat for a year waiting on this to come back. But and the, then goddamn camera pan. Right. And like, oh fuck, he survived. Oh well, I sh- I knew that was going to happen. And then you see it. Yeah. His goddamn lightsaber. You see the fucking dark saber. It's so and good to see it in in live action too. It looks so fucking cool. It looks so fucking cool <laughs> in live action, and it also uh, looks bladed in a way that uh, yeah the yeah. other the other lightsaber. Well, it doesn't. Don't really... It doesn't rebels in, in Clone Wars too. It's a lot more. It's a lot more bladed. Yeah, it's a lot older than than your modern lightsabers, um, and the last person that we saw with that was. Sabine gave it to Bo-Katan mm-hmm. um, in Rebels, and that's the last time we saw it. So how did he get that? I mean, he probably murder. probably probably murder, but like, there's a there's a story there. There's definitely a story there. Um, you feel like we're gonna eventually get that story? I well, think he might. Uh, maybe just some like allusions to. He might do but... some intimidation monologue about it, but I don't think we'll. Oh, I w- we might see it in, in flashbacks, or, or we might we might find. Uh, fuck, fuck it. We'll go ahead. We'll have that conversation now. I was gonna wait a little bit on that, but um, apparently, characters from the from the films are going to yeah. come in next next season. Okay. Um, and I'm sure it'll be you know secondary characters. I'm sure we'll build up to to more primary characters, but. I mean, it's already a, a through line is already established uh, yeah. to get him to meet meet Luke Skywalker. Like he's looking for the Jedi, he's looking for Yiddle's right. family. Yeah, yeah. And this is the perfect time to meet to meet a young Luke. Um, which obviously, Sebastian Stan. Like I know that uh, that picture of him as Luke is shot, but it's he's close. He's close enough. He's already fucking in the offices of. Of Marvel, anyway, just go next door and just grab him. He's he's the perfect young Luke. Um, so I, you know who I think he'll run into just mm-hmm. for circumstances' sake is the uh, the bounty hunter that uh, leaves uh, his shit behind uh, when Luke was chasing him uh, in Rise. The uh, yeah. oh yeah yeah. I have a feeling the Ochi. Ochi, yeah. 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 Just just because of timelines and, you know, interactions. And because, we, as you said, they've already established that it's a potential that he'll run into Luke. Well, it's not... They haven't said anything about Luke. They've just said... Um, well, I mean, yeah. yeah. But he's, he's... Yeah. 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 What he described and, like, his, his goals at the end of the season. I don't know if this is, like, rumors or not. Because I can't remember if something was even said about it. But Obi-Wan might be... Their series might interact with Mandalorian series. I mean, Obi Wan's dead. Yeah, Obi Wan's super dead. I know. Yeah. Uh, the op- although, no, because he stays on Tatooine. I mean, un- unless Tatooine is the it happens to be the planet. Yeah. I mean, it could no. It's probably just like some weird theory that I saw. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't know how it could line up because it's. I think that he was born like. In the Clone Wars, like, or not born in the Clone Wars, but like, that's when you see him. Is like the Siege of Mandalore, or whatever, is is what you're actually like seeing and ev- and everything. So I think that he'd be he'd be too old, but I don't I don't know. Um, 
Oh yeah, that's the best uh, looking uh, live action on screen super battle droid we've ever seen. Also. Oh yeah, like <laughs> that that one shot of him about to shoot Din is like better than they all look in all of Clone Wars, <laughs> right? Or Attack of the Clones, I mean, and uh, fucking Episode One for Revenge. Yeah. Um. What were your uh, if you can remember? What was your favorite episode? My favorite is the uh, prison uh, ship one. Oh, that one is a good one. It just, it really... Uh, you know, I wish they would have l let the um, the guy who called Mando there and then the guy that were saved from the prison, let them live instead of like killing them at the end of that episode. Because I feel like they would have been good characters to come back. Maybe, but they... They were too big of uh, threats, and they like knew a lot of shit about him, to the point where if they had survived, they'd probably only be there to uh, be like foils to to future events. Yeah, I I really thought there were gonna be an arc down the line, hmm. like in a season or two. I don't know. I was glad enough to see them die. They sucked. Oh yeah, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> that dude just let his sister die. Even after she risked life and limb to fucking save him, I guess. Can you not remember? Oh, I'm debating. I think, like, one of the finales is probably my favorite one. The finales are oh, really, yeah. really yeah, good. Yeah, they're fantastic. I yeah. mean, that, that was but the most like, enjoyment I had in the watching it. But, yeah, you know. but if we're not talking about the finales, then the uh, where he was on the... Uh, planet where he met the other bounty hunting girl, or the Imperial girl, whatever. Oh, that's the one I was going to talk about. Mm. Yeah. I love that one. That was straight up. Anytime, anytime you can do Kurosawa in Star Wars, mm -hmm. it's fucking perfect. It is exact, it is made for that. Like, and that is the best... That's one of the best applications of that kind of uh, of storytelling. Yeah, the kind of Seven Samurai. Type, yeah, type, like uh, that's exactly that's exactly what it is. It's yeah. a perfect Seven Samurai, and it's amazing. They even do the uh, training sequence. Yeah, with the, yeah, yeah. It parallels a uh, Clone Wars. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, a little arc in that series too. Yeah, no, that's it. It's such a. It's so strange that this space nonsense just overlaps so well with these classic samurai movies. Yeah, it's yeah, it's weird to have a this big uh, mythical space opera saga, and when you like focus in on it, is this really like really the best stories in it are the really quiet, really like slow. Um, really focused things like like that and like the Twin Sons episode of mm. Rebels. Um, and obviously the... Um, I forget what, what the story is called in, in the Clone Wars, but there's a Seven Samurai thing in, in there that you just alluded to. Um, and obviously, you know, Star Wars it, itself has, has very very strong Kurosawa vibes, the the original, A New Hope. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, and this could just be my bias since they're my top three, but I think that A New Hope, Empire, and Last Jedi are the ones that retain, that's more, that feels more dominant in those movies than, say, the Flash Gordon yeah. or... Um, or other other elements, or the or the war film kind of aspect to it, that those all or just just the generic like uh, not generic but general avant garde sci fi thing that mm -hmm. Lucas yeah. was a part of. I yeah. feel like everything in, it's all in balance, but I feel like the Kurosawa samurai thing is a little bit more at the core of those three films than it is at really any of the other films in the saga. I, I can see that. Also, the uh, I, I realized like the first couple episodes of Mandalorian, they're basically Yojimbo, the, that Kurosawa movie, yeah. where uh, the main character is just playing all the different factions against one another to try mm -hmm. it. Yeah. It even ends in like a township uh, battle, like, uh, yeah. like, like Yojimbo does. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice seeing as we get further into this, uh, like global media, uh, era that, you know, monomyths and, and these large, uh, universal tales can, can really just be told forever. You know, these, these stories that, that we have, you know, like there's nothing really new anymore. Right. But that doesn't mean that it, these stories that we have won't stop feeling new yeah. as time goes on. And I think that's, that's more valuable because I don't need to, you know, if, if life is, a, is these set, you know, series of circumstances, then our, our myths are going to reflect that until, until it changes. And it doesn't seem like it will, at least not in our lifetimes. So right. it's, it's, it's nice that we can just... We can shake up these different ingredients in as many ways as as are under the sun, and we can find new things out of these things that we've loved forever. <sighs> Star Wars is the shit. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Fucking. It's going back to IG Eleven. Uh, we sort of crept up on this earlier but uh the the fact that um he could be reprogrammed that the the idea that droids are just a reflection of whoever is is uh in charge of uh, programming their neural harness you know it's it's a lot it says a lot about what uh like teaching me, uh, means to 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 people it's it's not like anybody actually exists as a blank slate like that where you can just delete what they were before and then but, make them anew yeah but there is some sliver of that process that exists in all people that want to change and become something else it's not always for the better but for the most part if if you know that there is a part of you that needs to change and you have new goals you know if you go from being a destroyer to a protector it's possible to abandon all of those those prior notions and and feelings that led you down that path right. and become something else, and we see that reflected in in uh, IG Eleven. Pause. Okay. But yeah, I think the uh, you know the the thing with like samurai movies and western movies is there's. Uh, there's like a, a loop that feeds feeds back into itself. Um, you know, like a lot of your samurai movies are inspired by like your old like 30s westerns and then your like 60s spaghetti westerns are just, you know, like especially like your Clint Eastwood movies mm -hmm. are just uh, Kurosawa movies made over basically. Oh yeah, uh, Fistful of Dollars is your Jimbo again. Yeah, right. But... Um, so I think that the the western or whatever um thing of it i don't know i think like the star wars kurosawa space western creates this like nice little soup of of influences that all kind of like feed into each other and there's like the perfect you'd think that a show about like luke's jedi academy or something would be the the best like penultimate star wars show but i really think that this this is it like to actually capture the essence of what star wars is there may be other things that may be more in universe or something but um you know what i mean like just the yeah. this feels so so star wars in such a s small simple way right <coughs> it's it's i think because of the lack of like institutional ties to power that Mando has. Mm -hmm. Like the Jedi in the prequels are like the the uh, like the sordid arm of the, of the 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 Republic. Right. And in in the original trilogy, they're they're like a a sect fighting against the direct evil powers in the in the universe or galaxy. And then in the uh, in the new trilogy, it's them wresting power back from them, finally. Right. 
So it's it's nice to see perspective of a uh, of a character who has to just live in that universe, mm-hmm. like a like a character who has to survive based on and is is competent and isn't like completely out of out of focus of of the major events in in the in the worlds. But it's like he's he's in a unique position of having to deal with the fallout of all of these uh, you know galaxy changing events. Yeah, while also not being one of the main players in them right it makes you it's it feels like a, a more uh down to space look at <laughs> at that that whole that whole situation yeah um because we're not gonna you know it feels like the the grand myths of the of the movies mm-hmm. are like they, they are what they are they're they're spectacle and they're they're uh there are these like giant universal themes being right. shown out, but uh, Mandalorian feels a lot more like, okay, this is kind of parallel to a conflict I might have in my life, you know? Right. Exactly. And it's not in not in the uh, like mythic, aggrandized way that that uh, the films are. It's it's a little bit closer to that kind of uh, realism and that that uh, anxiety you get from seeing something that is very human. Right. I mean. I- I, I was gonna say I feel like the the films like you say they're more they're more mythic and they're more like uh, you know I feel like if you because you have to take the whole thing in balance you can't just pick and choose and if you look at the whole whole nine films it's I mean it's it's almost like a Christ story in a way, yeah. You know, or it's like it's that it's that kind of myth. You know, it's yeah. big. Um, it's like cos- the- cosmic, yeah. platonic kind of big, big. I we're dealing with i with ideals and and archetypes, not characters you're supposed to make a one to one relationship with. Right. I mean, you are, but their purpose is as archetypes for these ideals and principles and everything. Whereas Mandalorian feels more like the, like the trials of Hercules. Yeah. You know, like it's still mythical. It's still part of that, but it's, it feels more, like you said, more relatable and more, more personal kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the, the films feel like, uh, romance of the the three kingdoms. Yeah. Like they're on that level of, of that, that high, highfalutin mythic space. The, the films are on the same level of, um, of really, th- of like the Bible for me. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make. I kind of see, uh, Ray or Luke have a questionable relationship with Anakin as a savior figure, but oh, I kind honey. of, I kind of see, <laughs> I kind of see Ray and Luke in the same way that I see. Um, King Arthur or Robin Hood or Jesus, their historical existence is really insignificant. Like that's not the point of right. the of the story. Yeah. Like there's something a lot bigger going going on there. Right. Um, and the same thing with the with the Mandalorian, but he's more in that in the Robin Hood kind of like just a simple person just trying to do the best in the world or whatever, and like. Within what's your response? Yeah, what's in your own power kind of thing. Yeah. In response to something that's like much greater than you are. Um and it starts with the with the Clone Wars. Um and there's there's a lot in there and there's those are some of my favorite episodes of the Mandalorians. But this one this show and Sabine is my favorite character in all of Star Wars. But um this show really cemented the Mandalorians are the better religious whatever I don't want to say cult but they're the they're the better religious society between them and the Jedi. Yeah. Based um I think that the Mandalorian ethos is one that if they do get uh somebody in in I think actually them not having a planet like a central hub mm-hmm. serves them better for that fact. Well I mean they 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 did it was just right the, no the, I'm saying like yeah. in the in in the time after right that, yeah 
because it's really easy because if they had like a demagogue in, in their, their highest leadership mm -hmm. space, they could find a way to call out that religion because it's so strong and it's all about uh, integrity and, and these very specific, rigid, right. uh, dogmatic principles. And, but, but as these small like tribes of people, they, it just cements them as these very loyal communities mm -hmm. that uh, though they have struggles within them it's about who is being the most uh you know in intensely uh uh you know integral to that that community yeah the the only conflict we see between mandalorians in in uh this uh, in this series is when they're discussing whether or not uh din has has been uh true to the to the way mm -hmm. In that in that early scene with uh, that that Mandalorian's armor is fucking awesome. But, yeah, uh, yeah. With the, the armor, the, the big guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the uh, the third the third one the armor is fucking badass oh, too. But okay. like the guy who was like talking shit to Din yeah. basically. Uh, yeah. No, that the it's 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 about being having integrity and it's about protecting people. That's that's the way. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Like. I don't know, I mean, obviously nuance, but Right. You have the have the Jedi, or at least the old Jedi Order that found found force sensitive kids and took them from their parents and raised them to be to be Jedi and be stoic and and everything. Right. And and then you have the Mandalorians who they rest fine. Yeah, who yeah, find they, orphans yeah. and raise them as Mandalorians, and that that's different different to me. It's like raising your kid as as a Christian versus as an American. You know, like one is is indoctrinating, and yeah, there's a there's a religion and everything and tied in with being a Mandalorian, but it's also it's a it's a people, it's a, it's a planet, you know, it's, it does come from, from a culture. It was just like the last survivors of the, of the last war just turned it, like made it open, open-ended or whatever, where anybody, if you lived in, on Mandalore, you were Mandalorian, you didn't have to yeah. be from Man Mandalore, but it just seems more, um, I don't know, more, more open-ended and more accessible. Yeah. And also, like, the kids who got taken from their parents to right. become Jedi, they couldn't just leave their training right. like, without the whole... facing consequences. But, like, if you didn't want to well, the... fight and be a Mandalorian, well, like, the, whole the warrior, thing... they didn't have to. Well, yeah. the whole thing, like, with y with Yiddle is, you know, his res he's he is bound, bound to Yiddle. It's his, his responsibility until... He's either an adult, or they find his yes. find his family. You know, it's not like they're trying to keep him. They're not mm -mm. trying to raise right. raise him as like it's just like if he's going to be with us, then he's going to be part of our society because we're going to accept him as part of our society. Yeah. But if he wants to find his family, and you can, then he can always return to them. Right. And like that feels more. I don't know. It just seems more honorable. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, and when they give Din his insignia. The clan of two. Yeah. Oh. That's so... <laughs> I mean, it's just a symbol, but it's it's so meaningful to right. see that, like, yeah, that we're going to take time in this very, very fucking strenuous, time-sensitive situation. Right. And we're going to bind you together with this insignia on your armor that you can't take off. Right. <laughs> like, it's just great. He just accepts it because mm -hmm. he's true to his morals. Yeah. Oh, whenever uh, the child got the necklace, the pendant at the right. end. Yeah. Like, I'm going to let you hang on to this. I never thought I'd see this again. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, any uh, any points to wrap up on? Uh, you know, I'd like to say I appreciate all the acting in this. Yeah. That, that was mm -hmm. one thing that I was kind of worried about because... You know, I, it just, it seemed like a possibility that it, this could have had a, a ton of ham-fisted, right. you know, shitty 
ham-fisted tomfoolery. Yeah, just 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 shitty performances that like people phoned in because they were in a, like a space thing, and that they were like, oh, nobody's gonna take this seriously. Yeah. I don't have to like do do my homework or, uh, you know, it's it's just. I don't know. Maybe Star Trek spoiled me on that back in the day because, like, there's so many fucking episodes of that where it just yeah. feels like everybody's phoning it in. I'm also, like, glad they didn't just get a lot of big-name actors to come right. and play in this. Mm. They got new yeah. characters that can... Well, there, there, are, there are quite a bit of familiar faces. I mean, Carl Weathers is... Yeah. Yeah, Carl Weathers and uh, Oberyn, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The guy's playing Din. Which, the acting... Is so strong for the Mandalorian. He doesn't even. You, you, you don't, don't even. Have, you don't have to see his face. Like right. you do not have to see his face. It's, to know exactly um, what it's in half of the episode. The entire show is just him sighing and Yiddles laughing. Right. Oh, we didn't talk. We didn't talk about that. The best fucking scene in the whole show. Oh. The. Uh, the red versus blue scene. Oh my <gasps> yes, god! Yes. Oh, I was thinking to mention uh, yeah. that. Oh my god! That Why? was those, those scout troopers. troopers yes. Yeah, that was. That was wonderful, but um, <laughs> the whole thing reminded me of that because uh, it's the same kind of of emoting. Um, you can't change expression, so all you have are angles, right. basically. Mm-hmm. You know, lean down for sad. Right. You know, like all kinds of like whatever different movement of his head and the the lighting on the on the helmet and the mm. visor is super important. Yes. Yeah. Um, a lot, lots done by gesticulating and yeah. like bobbing your head. It's like a kind of Power Rangers thing at times where right. like people have helmets on and they have to like bob their head because yeah. it's the only way you can tell. It gives them a lot of hand talking. movements mm-hmm. too. Yeah. yeah. Man, uh, whenever they were like shooting, completely missing the scout troopers. God, so yeah. fucking oh, funny. I was so glad they did that. Yeah. And he like shakes his gun and it has that like light bulb sound of when they go out and the, yeah. the filament shaking around in there. Oh God. But um, also that motherfucker got exactly what he deserved. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. The moment he hit the bag, I gasped and I was ready to fight. (laughs) God, how do you punch that? Well, I guess if you're an imperial trooper, right? Especially at that point in time, like you're a you're a scout trooper, right? Eight years after the war's over. What the fuck are you doing with your life? <laughs> I love how punching like, random babies apparently. Yeah. yeah, it's it's always that they're they're shitty. Like there's no kind of like oh they're just doing their a job. They're just following orders. It's right. Like, if you're complicit in this, you're right. they're space fascists. There's yeah. no way around it. You know. Another another ironic reason to have Werner Herzog as the imperial guy. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that 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 about covers the thing um i don't know if it's too soon to do scores on it like honestly like should we, do we should we yeah do? like honestly i feel like there's way more story to to tell yeah um before we take in that big of an overarching look at it but um yeah, i will say i deeply enjoyed it oh, yeah definitely. um and the next season's supposed to be out in the fall I yes think? yeah Fall of this year. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Um, we're getting Clone Wars in February, Ooh. and then oh, that's right. Oh shit. Rumor has it that there is a Rebel show, a Rebel sequel, coming out after that. Um, that will be that will take place after uh, Return of the Jedi, and will be Sabine and Ahsoka. Searching the outer regions for uh, Ezra. What? Yeah, I don't know how true that is, but I heard it from pretty solid sources, so we will we'll see about that. We need to catch up on both of those. Def, yeah. Yeah. At least catch up on the on the Clone Wars before um, before the new season starts. Yeah, I still haven't finished Rebels. I need to get on that. Um, but I think that about covers that. Uh, so next week, uh, hopefully, uh, Nolan and Goose will be sitting down with Aaron and possibly Chelsea and talking about The Witcher. So uh, be sure to tune in for that and uh, make sure to go to IndieCarnival.com slash pay- right, wait. 
I'm having Indie Carnival comedy right now. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Indie Carnival and uh, <laughs> throw us a buck so we can uh, pay our GoDaddy fees and yep. get IndieCarnival.com again. Um, <laughs> um, and we have a YouTube that you guys can go uh, see. We have a new episode of Couch Lockout every Friday so far. Um, Toss a coin for our content, oh people with money. <laughs> And what else? Uh, Heartshapedboxers.bandcamp.com. Uh, got Remantle up there. Closure will be up there soon. Uh, obviously, Spotify, Google, um, iTunes, all the places to listen to Foxes Have Holes. And uh, if, if you're in the area, then on Friday, Noah and I will be playing with his band Makewell. At a, what's it, what's the place called again? Uh, Paducah Distilled Spirits at 407 Jefferson Street at 9 p.m. on uh, the 17th. So we uh, hope to see you there. If we can get some video, we'll get it up for you guys. But, um, but yeah, it's been Phantom Nonsense, and bye.